Book Five, Canto Five of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Five. Artegall fights with Radicand and is subdued by guile. He is by her imprisoned, but wrought by Clarence wile. So soon as day forth dawning from the east, night's humid curtain from the heavens withdrew, and early calling forth both man and beast, commanded them their daily works renew. These noble warriors, mindful to pursue the last day's purpose of their vowed fight, themselves thereto prepared in order due. The night, as best was seeming for a night, and the Amazon, as best it liked herself to dight all in a camus light of purple silk woven upon with silver subtly wrought and quilted upon satin white as milk trailed with ribbons diversely distraught like as the workmen had their courses taught which was short tucked for light motion up to her ham but when she list it wrought down to her lowest heel and thereupon she wore for her defence a mailed habergeon and on her legs she painted buskins wore, basted with bends of gold on every side, and mails between, and laced close afore. Upon her thigh her scimitar was tied, with an embroidered belt of mickle pride, and on her shoulder hung her shield, bedecked upon the boss with stones that shined wide, as the fair moon in her most full aspect, that to the moon it mote be like in each respect. So forth she came out of the city gate with stately port and proud magnificence, guarded with many damsels that did wait upon her person for her sure defence, playing on shawms and trumpets that from hence their sound did reach unto the heaven's height. So forth into the field she marched thence, where was a rich pavilion ready pight, her to receive till time they should begin the fight. Then forth came Artegall out of his tent, all armed to point, and first the lists did enter. Soon after eke came she with fell intent, and countenance fierce, as having fully bent her, that battle's utmost trial to adventure. The lists were closed fast to bar the rout from rudely pressing to the middle centre which in great heaps them circled all about, waiting how fortune would resolve that dangerous doubt. The trumpet sounded, and the field began. With bitter strokes it both began and ended. She at the first encounter on him ran with furious rage, as if she had intended out of his breast the very heart have rended. But he, that had like tempests often tried, from that first flaw himself right well defended. The more she raged, the more he did abide. She hewed, she foined, she lashed, she laid on every side, yet still her blows he bore, and her forbore, weaning at last to win advantage new. Yet still her cruelty increased more, and though power failed, her courage did accrue, which failing, he gan fiercely her pursue, like as a smith that to his cunning feet the stubborn metal seeketh to subdue, soon as he feels it mollified with heat, with his great iron sledge doth strongly on it beat. So did Sir Artegall upon her lay, as if she had an iron anvil been, that flakes of fire bright as the sunny ray out of her steely arms were flashing seen, 
that all on fire ye would her surely wean. But with her shield, so well herself she warded from the dread danger of his weapon keen, that all that while her life she safely guarded. But he that help from her against her will discarded. For with his trenchant blade at the next blow, half of her shield he shared quite away, that half her side itself did naked show, and thenceforth unto danger opened way. Much was she moved with the mighty sway of that sad stroke, that half enraged she grew, and like a greedy bear unto her prey, with her sharp scimitar at him she flew, that glancing down his thigh the purple blood forth drew. Thereat she gan to triumph with great boast, and to upbraid that chance which him misfell, as if the prize she gotten had almost, with spiteful speeches fitting with her well that his great heart gan inwardly to swell with indignation at her vaunting vein, and at her strook with puissance fearful fell. Yet with her shield she warded it again, that shattered all to pieces round about the plain. Having her thus disarmed of her shield, upon her helmet he again her strook, that down she fell upon the grassy field in senseless swoon, as if her life forsook, and pangs of death her spirit overtook. Whom when he saw before his foot prostrated, he to her leapt with deadly dreadful look, and her sunshiny helmet soon unlaced, thinking at once both head and helmet to have raced. But, when as he discovered had her face, he saw his senses' strange astonishment, a miracle of nature's goodly grace in her fair visage, void of ornament, but bathed in blood and sweat together meant, which in the rudeness of that evil plight bewrayed the signs of feature excellent, like as the moon in foggy winter's night doth seem to be herself, though darkened be her light. At sight thereof his cruel-minded heart Empierced was with pitiful regard, That his sharp sword he threw from him apart, Cursing his hand that had that visage marred. No hand so cruel, nor no heart so hard, But ruth of beauty will it mollify. By this, upstarting from her swoon, She stared a while about her with confused eye, Like one that from his dream is waked suddenly. Soon as the night she thereby her did spy, Standing with empty hands, all weaponless, With fresh assault upon him she did fly, And gan renew her former cruelness. And though he still retired, Yet natheless with huge redoubled strokes She on him laid, and more increased Her outrage merciless, The more that he with meek entreaty prayed Her wrathful hand from greedy vengeance to have stayed. Like as a puttock, having spied in sight a gentle falcon, Sitting on an hill, whose other wing, now made unmeet for flight, Was lately broken by some fortune ill, The foolish kite, led with licentious will, Doth beat upon the gentle bird in vain, With many idle stoops her troubling still. Even so did Radigan, with bootless pain, Annoy this noble knight, and sorely him constrain. Naught could he do but shun the dread despite of her fierce wrath, and backward still retire, and with his single shield, well as he might, bear off the burden of her raging ire. And evermore he gently did desire to stay her strokes, and he himself would yield, 
yet nold she hark ne let him once respire till he to her delivered had his shield and to her mercy him submitted in plain field so was he overcome not overcome but to her yielded of his own accord yet was he justly damned by the doom of his own mouth that spake so wareless word to be her thrall and service her afford for though that he first victory obtained yet after by abandoning his sword he wilful lost that he before attained no fairer conquest than that with good will is gained though with her sword on him she flatling struck in sign of true subjection to her power and as her vassal him to thraldom took but turpin born to more unhappy hour as he on whom the luckless stars did lower she caused to be attached and forthwith led unto the crook to bide the baleful stour from which he lately had through rescue fled for he full shamefully was hanged by the head but when they thought on talus hands to lay he with his iron flail amongst them thundered that they were fain to let him scape away glad from his company to be so sundered whose presence all their troops so much encumbered that the heaps of those which he did wound and slay besides the rest dismayed might not be numbered yet all the while he would not once essay to rescue his own lord but thought it just obey then took the amazon this noble knight left to her will by his own wilful blame and caused him to be disarmed quite of all the ornaments of knightly name with which whilom he gotten had great fame instead whereof she made him to be dight in woman's weeds that is to manhood shame and put before his lap a napron white instead of cuirass and bases fit for fight so being clad she brought him from the field in which he had been trained many a day unto a long large chamber which was sealed with monuments of many a knight's decay by her subdued in victorious fray amongst the which she caused his warlike arms be hanged on high that mote his shame bewray and broke his sword for fear of further harms with which he wont to stir up battleless alarms there entered in he round about him saw many brave knights whose names right well he knew there bound to bear that amazon's proud law spinning and carding all in comely rue that his big heart loathed so uncomely view but they were forced through penury and pine to do those works to them appointed due for naught was given them to sup or dine but what their hands could earn by twisting linen twine amongst them all she placed him most low and in his hand a distaff to him gave that he thereon should spin both flax and tow a sordid office for a mind so brave so hard it is to be a woman's slave yet he it took in his own self's despite and thereto did himself right well behave her to obey sith he his faith had plight her vassal to become if she him won in fight 
who had him seen, imagine mote thereby that whilom hath of Hercules been told, how for Iola's sake he did apply his mighty hands the distaff vile to hold for his huge club, which had subdued of old so many monsters which the world annoyed. His lion's skin changed to a pall of gold, in which, forgetting wars, he only joyed in combats of sweet love, and with his mistress toyed such is the cruelty of womankind when they have shaken off the shamefast band with which wise nature did them strongly bind to obey the hests of man's well-ruling hand that then all rule and reason they withstand to purchase a licentious liberty but virtuous women wisely understand that they were born to base humility unless the heavens them lift to lawful sovereignty thus there long while continued artegall serving proud radigand with true subjection however it his noble heart did gall to obey a woman's tyrannous direction that might have had of life or death election but having chosen now he might not change during which time the warlike amazon whose wandering fancy after lust did range gan cast a secret liking to this captive strange which long concealing in her covered breast she chawed the cud of lover's careful plight yet could it not so thoroughly digest being fast fixed in her wounded sprite but it tormented her both day and night yet would she not thereto yield free accord to serve the lowly vassal of her might and of her servant make her sovereign lord so great her pride that she such baseness much abhorred so much the greater still her anguish grew through stubborn handling of her lovesick heart and still the more she strove it to subdue the more she still augmented her own smart and wider made the wound of the hidden dart at last when long she struggled had in vain she gan to stoop and her proud mind convart to meek obeisance of love's mighty reign and him entreat for grace that had procured her pain and to herself in secret she did call her nearest handmaid whom she most did trust and to her said clarinda whom of all i trust alive sith i thee fostered first now is the time that i untimely must thereof make trial in my greatest need it is so happened that the heavens unjust spiting my happy freedom have agreed to thrall my looser life or my last bale to breed with that she turned her head as half abashed to hide the blush which in her visage rose and through her eyes like sudden lightning flashed decking her cheek with a vermilion rose but soon she did her countenance compose and to her turning thus began again this grief's deep wound i would to thee disclose thereto compelled through heart-murdering pain but dread of shame my doubtful lips doth still restrain ah my dear dread said then the faithful maid can dread of aught your dreadless heart withhold that many hath with dread of death dismayed and dare even death's most dreadful face behold say on my sovereign lady and be bold doth not your handmaid's life at your foot lie therewith much comforted she gan unfold the cause of her conceived malady 
as one that would confess, yet fain would it deny. Clarin, said she, thou seest yon fairy knight, whom not my valor, but his own brave mind subjected hath to my unequal might. What right is it that he should thraldom find for lending life to me, a wretch unkind, that for such good him recompense with ill? Therefore I cast how I may him unbind, and by his freedom get his free good will, yet so as bound to me he may continue still, bound unto me, but not with such hard bands of strong compulsion and straight violence, as now in miserable state he stands, but with sweet love and sure benevolence void of malicious mind or foul offence, to which if thou canst win him any way without discovery of my thoughts pretence both goodly meed of him it purchase may and eke with grateful service me right well appay which that thou mayst the better bring to pass lo here this ring which shall thy warrant be and token true to old eumenius from time to time when thou it best shalt see that in and out thou mayst have passage free go now clarinda well thy wits advise, and all thy forces gather unto thee, armies of lovely looks and speeches wise, with which thou canst even Jove himself to love entice. The trusty maid, conceiving her intent, did with sure promise of her good endeavor give her great comfort, and some heart's content. So from her parting she thenceforth did labor by all the means she might to curry favor with Delphin knight, her lady's best beloved, with daily show of courteous kind behavior, even at the mark white of his heart she roved, and with wide glancing words one day she thus improved. Unhappy knight, upon whose hopeless state fortune and vying good hath fellly frowned, and cruel heavens have heaped an heavy fate. I rue that thus thy better days are drowned in sad despair, and all thy senses wounded in stupid sorrow, sith thy juster merit might else have with felicity been crowned. Look up at last, and wake thy dulled spirit, to think how this long death thou mightest disinherit. Much did he marvel at her uncouth speech, whose hidden drift he could not well perceive, and gan to doubt lest she him sought to peach of treason, or some guileful train did weave, through which she might his wretched life bereave. Both which to bar, he with this answer met her. Fair damsel, that with ruth, as I perceive, of my mishaps art moved to wish me better, for such your kind regard I can but rest your debtor. Yet weet ye well that to a courage great it is no less beseeming well to bear the storm of fortune's frown or heaven's threat than in the sunshine of her countenance clear timely to joy and carry comely cheer. For though this cloud have now me overcast, yet do I not of better times despair. And though unlike they should for ever last, yet in my truth's assurance I rest fixed fast. But what so stony mind, she then replied, but if in his own power occasion lay, would to his hope a window open wide, and to his fortune's help make ready way. 
Unworthy, sure, quoth he, a better day, That will not take the offer of good hope, And eke pursue, if he attain it may. Which speeches she applying to the scope of her intent, This further purpose to him shope. Then why dost not, thou ill-advised man, Make means to win thy liberty forlorn, And try if thou by fair entreaty can move Radigand, who, though she still have worn her days in war, yet wheat thou was not born of bears and tigers, nor so salvage-minded as that, albeit all love of men she scorn, she yet forgets that she of men was kinded, and sooth oft seen that proudest hearts base love hath blinded. Certes, Clorinda, not of cankered will, said he, nor obstinate disdainful mind, I have forbore this duty to fulfill, for well I may this ween, by that I find, that she a queen, and come a princely kind, both worthy is for to be sued unto, chiefly by him whose life her law doth bind, and eke of power her own doom to undo, and also princely grace to be inclined thereto. But want of means hath been mine only let from seeking favor where it doth abound, which, if I might by your good office get, I to yourself should rest for ever bound, and ready to deserve what grace I found. She feeling him thus bite upon the bait, yet doubting lest his hold was but unsound and not well fastened, would not strike him straight, but drew him on with hope, fit leisure to await. But, foolish maid, whiles heedless of the hook she thus oft times was beating off and on, through slippery footing fell into the brook, and there was caught to her confusion. For seeking thus to salve the Amazon, she wounded was with her deceit's own dart, and gan thenceforth to cast affection, conceived close in her beguiled heart to Artegall, through pity of his causeless smart. Yet durst she not disclose her fancy's wound, nay to himself, for doubt of being's dained, nay yet to any other white on ground, for fear her mistress should have knowledge gained, but to herself it secretly retained, within the closet of her covered breast, the more thereby her tender heart was painted. Yet to await fit time she weened best, and fairly did dissemble her sad thoughts on rest. One day her lady, calling her apart, gan to demand of her some tidings good, touching her love's success, her lingering smart. Therewith she gan at first to change her mood, as when a dawd and half-confused stood. But quickly she had overpassed, so soon as she her face had wiped, to fresh her blood. Though gan she tell her all that she had done, and all the ways she sought his love for to have won but said that he was obstinate and stern scorning her offers and conditions vain they would be taught with any terms to learn so fond a lesson as to love again die rather would he in penurious pain and his abridged days in dolor waste than his foe's love or liking entertain his resolution was both first and last his body was her thrall his heart was freely placed which when the cruel Amazon perceived, she gan to storm and rage and rend her gall for very fell despite, 
which he conceived to be so scorned of a base-born thrall whose life did lie in her least eyelids fall of which she vowed with many a cursed threat that she therefore would him ere long forestall nathless when calmed was her furious heat she changed that dreadful mood and mildly gan entreat what now is left clorinda what remains that we may compass this our enterprise great shame to lose so long employed pains and greater shame to bide so great misprise with which he dares our offers thus despise yet that his guilt the greater may appear and more my gracious mercy by this wise i will a while with his first folly bear till thou have tried again and tempted him more near say and do all that may thereto prevail leave not unpromised that may him persuade life freedom grace and gifts of great avail with which the gods themselves are milder made thereto add art even women's witty trade the art of mighty words that men can charm with which in case thou canst not him invade let him feel hardness of thy heavy arm who will not stoop with good shall be made stoop with harm some of his diets do from him withdraw for i him find to be too proudly fed give him more labor and with straighter law that he with work may be for wearied let him lodge hard and lie in straw in bed that may pull down the courage of his pride and lay upon him for his greater dread cold iron chains with which let him be tied and let whatever he desires be him denied when thou hast all this done then bring me news of his demean thenceforth not like a lover but like a rebel stout i will him use for i resolve this siege not to give over till i the conquest of my will recover so she departed full of grief and stain which inly did to great impatience move her but the false maiden shortly turned again into the prison where her heart did thrall remain there all her subtle nets she did unfold and all the engines of her wit display in which she meant him wearless to enfold and of his innocence to make her prey so cunningly she wrought her crafts assay that both her lady and herself withal and eke the knight at once she did betray but most the knight whom she with guileful call did cast for to allure into her trap to fall as a bad nurse which feigning to receive in her own mouth the food meant for her child withholds it to herself and doth deceive the infant so for want of nurture spoiled even so clorinda her own dame beguiled and turned the trust which was in her affide to feeding of her private fire which boiled her inward breast and in her entrails fried the more that she had sought to cover and to hide for coming to this night she purpose feigned how earnest suit she erst for him had made unto her queen his freedom to have gained but by no means could her thereto persuade but that instead thereof she sternly bade his misery to be augmented more and many iron bands on him to laid all which nathless she for his love forbore so praying him to accept her service evermore and more than that she promised that she would in case she might find favour in his eye devise how to enlarge him out of hold the fairy glad to gain his liberty 
can yield great thanks for such her courtesy and with fair words fit for the time and place to feed the humor of her malady promised if she would free him from that case he would by all good means he might deserve such grace so daily he fair semblance did her shew yet never meant he in his noble mind to his own absent love to be untrue nay ever did deceitful clarin find in her false heart his bondage to unbind but rather how she mote him faster tie therefore unto her mistress most unkind she daily told her love he did defy and him she told her dame his freedom did deny yet thus much friendship she to him did show that his scarce diet somewhat was amended and his work lessened that his love mote grow yet to her dame him still she discommended that she with him mote be the more offended thus he long while in thraldom there remained of both beloved well but little friended until his own true love his freedom gained which in another canto will be best contained End of Canto 5 Recording by Thomas Copeland